Welcome to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's encouraging message. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. Well, today I want to talk about a topic that I, I um, we're, we're still on the theme of prayer. But, you know, there is something in our lives that Paul talks about that can hinder our prayers probably more than just about anything, and that is strongholds, strongholds. And in Romans chapter 7, Paul describes so well a conflict that's going on inside of all of, all of us, and it's this, that which I am doing, I do not understand, for I'm not practicing the thing that I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing that I hate to do. Now, I know that doesn't happen to you all, right? So, I mean, have, has anyone ever experienced that moment where I'm just going to have, I'll just have one handful of Doritos. And you start eating your Doritos, and you're watching your movie, and you're like, I could have another one. And you have another one, and you're like, okay, that will be enough. And the next thing you know, there's another handful, and then the whole bag is gone. And you don't know how you did it. And it could be a bag of Oreos. Has anybody ever, I mean, I've known somebody that sat down and ate a whole thing of Oreos. I mean, that's a lot of Oreos. And I won't mention names, but it's, it is doable. But, you know, you, you, you really hate it. You're like, I can't believe I just ate the whole thing of Oreos. Yeah, I won't mention any names, Jeremy. I won't mention, yeah. But, but Paul describes so well um, that every Christian is in a battle. We are all in a battle. No one is exempt. No one gets to go on vacation to say, I'm just going to go on vacation so I can excuse myself for a week or two from the battle. We're all in a battle. And... Paul begins to focus in on where this battle is. Don't you want to know where the battle is? Yeah. Grayson does. He wants to know where is this battle? Where is the struggle? So Romans 7, turn there, chapter 7, verse 23. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Ground zero, where this battle is occurring, is raging between your two ears. It is in your mind. It's the focal point. And with this being the focal point, we must prepare ourselves to fight against this raging battle that's going on in our mind. 1 Peter 1, verse 13 says this. 1 Peter 1, 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, roll up your sleeves, buckle your belt, because it's game on. It's time to fight. It's time to do battle. 
You know, and as we've been talking this month um, about prayer, the incredible, uh, there's an incredible thing to, to realize is that there is enormous power that is released when we connect with God through prayer. There is uh, unlimited power and resources that is released for us to utilize in prayer. There are so many stories of, of people in the early uh, 20th century, uh, like Reese Howes, the book Intercessor, and I, someone got that book today. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth. Andrew Murray, which we've read, you know, the study that we've been doing on prayer. These men and women, um, Amy Simple McPherson, she was a little bit later, but I mean, just her life alone was amazing how God used her in prayer. And there were some keys that they discovered, but what stands out is that um, they were able to connect with God in faith on such a level that they saw uh, creative miracles and power released. I want to read you this story, Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody read Smith Wigglesworth, his life? I encourage you. You want your, your faith encouraged? Read, read about Smith. It, absolutely amazing. He says, I remember one day that I was asked to visit a woman who was dying. When I got into the room where the woman was, I saw that there was no hope as far as human aid was concerned. She was suffering from a tumor, and it had uh, sapped every aspect of her life away from her. As I looked at her, I knew that there was no possibility to help except the Lord would work a miracle. Thank God I knew he was able. And I said to the woman, I know you're very weak, but if you wish to be healed and cannot lift your arm or raise it at all, it might be possible that you could raise your finger that would give me a sign that you want to be healed. Her hand lay upon the bed. She was able to just all of a sudden lift her little finger. And then Smith Wigglesworth said, I knew at that time. She wanted to be healed. There was an assistant that was with him. He said, go get the oil and bring it to me. We're going to pray for her healing. So I anointed her with oil, and then all of a sudden, her chin dropped. She became dead. She died right there as they anointed her with oil. The guy that was the assistant that was with Smith Wigglesworth was frightened. He was scared. And he said, I, I've never seen a, a, a man, Smith Wigglesworth said, I've never seen a man so frightened in my life. He said, what shall I do? He asked. You may think that what I did was absurd, but I reached over into the bed and I pulled her out. I carried her across the room and I stood her against the wall and held her up. Imagine this, what he's doing. And she was absolutely dead. I looked into her face and said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this death. From the crown of her head to the soles of her feet, her whole body began to tremble. In the name of Jesus, I command you to walk, I said. I repeated, in the name of Jesus, I command you to walk. And she walked right then and there. My friend went out and told the people that had 
seen the woman raised from the dead, the woman's doctor heard of it, and he went to see her. And he said, I have heard from Mr. Fisher, the elder, that you have been brought back to life. I want you to tell me if this is so. Can you imagine this? You know, I mean, he said, did you really die and come back? And are you really, is this really you? I mean, he's like, you know, just lay it out. Come on, let me hear it. And she says, and when she affirmed it, she, she affirmed, yes, I was raised from the dead. He says, please give your testimony. And she said, I will go anywhere to give it. For she was willing at the, with all her heart. And she came to the hall looking very white, but there was a lovely brightness on her face. She was dressed in white, and I thought how beautiful she looked. God has used people in very powerful ways that were able to connect him in prayer. But there, is, there are things that, that go on in our minds that can actually block and hinder the very power that God wants to release in and through our lives. And these are the things that I want to talk about today. Because I don't want anything in my own personal life standing in the way of reaching the potential and the unlimited power that is available to us. You know, I've also seen what happens to people that through undue stress and challenges in life become disconnected from God. And when you're not able to really connect with God, find God, in your situations, and it becomes very apparent that those individuals are becoming neutralized because of the battle that's going on. They're becoming neutralized in their level of faith in what they're able to do for the Lord. You know, there's an old saying, whatever gets your mind, gets you. There's an old uh, English proverb that says, uh, age and treachery will always defeat youth and zeal. The enemy is an ancient foe, and he's been studying humankind for a long time. And he knows this really well. And it's important that we guard and renew our minds in his word with the truth of his word so that our prayers can be effective, that there be nothing that could hinder or come against the word of the Lord. Because the battle for sin always starts in the mind. Remember that. The battle over sin, it always starts between your two ears. The Apostle Paul um, not only identifies where this battlefield is in your mind, he begins to, with precision, he zeroes in on the very place that we are to direct our attention in this battle within our minds, and these are strongholds. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. Do we have any word? No? The Scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For although we live in the natural realm, now this is reading out of the, uh, the Passion Translation. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign 
employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defense behind the, the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. That is so incredibly described of what's going on in words that we can understand. So the Apostle Paul says here that our job in this battle or military campaign is to, demand, to dismantle or destroy these strongholds. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you know what a stronghold is? If you don't, it's okay. But I want to just give you a simple definition of what a stronghold is. Write this down if you have a, a pen or pencil. These are faulty patterns of thought, faulty patterns of thought that defy God's authority. Faulty patterns of thought that defy God's authority in your life. So destroying these faulty patterns is vital because they're, they're, they're centers, if I may say, command centers within your mind that's working against you. It's kind of like having a wolf in the hen house. It's kind of like having an entity that's working against you and that actually has the ability to take you captive, take you prisoner, as the Scripture says, but it can also kind of hold the throttle to your emotions. Because when a stronghold is in your mind, it can kind of have the command center of your emotions and can kind of direct you in how you should feel in certain situations. But Paul says our weapons, these weapons that we have, are divinely energized. They're divinely energized from heaven, from, through his word, to pull down and, and, and tear down these strongholds. They literally work. They always work. They always win. They always demolish. They always are effective. They're able to break the shackles. They're able to set you free. They're able to give you such freedom that as we sung today just about freedom, the freedom we have in Jesus, they're able to give you that freedom to where all of a sudden you're like, I'm not, I'm not held back anymore by these thoughts that have been controlling my life. So what is the stronghold in your mind? The word in the Aramaic means rebellious castles. A stronghold is a rebellious castle inside your mind. Think about that. I mean, I think of the castles in England, and I think of, of uh, Scotland and Ireland, and, and some of these castles have been around for over a thousand years, and they're enormous structures, very difficult to penetrate in that day uh, 
through any means of weapons. They're fortified. They're strong. They're huge. But Paul's using a description of what the stronghold is. It's like, it's like this castle up on this hill, and inside it's housing rebellious thoughts against the authority of God. It is housing these, this, this compound has all running through it these thoughts that God is not who he says he is. So Paul is saying, this is where our focal point is. This is where we are to unleash heaven upon these strongholds in our mind to see the structures come crumbling and falling down just like the walls of Jericho. It's like using these divinely energized weapons as artillery. It's like we're, we're shooting them toward, imagine they're, they're raining down on this castle and these weapons are crumbling and destroying the, the bricks, the rock, and all of a sudden, these are coming down in our mind never to be raised up again. A stronghold can be one of two things. I want you to write these down. In verse 5, it says, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God. Every, de every deceptive fantasy. First, a stronghold can be a fantasy within your mind. A fantasy is something that can be personal in your own life. A fantasy can be something uh, of, a, of, of an attitude. For instance, worry, anxiety, and fear. When those are in your mind, fantasies, when, you, when you're struggling with fear, you have fantasies of, of, of things happening to you or those around you. Or the fantasies of, of fear of, of, of God not coming through for you. And it can grip you. It can, it can keep you up all night. Who's been up all night worrying and anxious about a situation and you, and you didn't get any sleep all night long? It happens. And these are strongholds. And we think, you know, well, these are just my struggles. These are just the things that, that I struggle with because I'm, I'm weak in this area. But Paul's saying, I want you to direct your attention to all of this arsenal that God has, and I want you to direct it, to destroy it, so it has no more hold on you. It cannot affect your emotions. It cannot affect your way of life. It sets you free so that you are not going to be tormented anymore. He's saying it's enough. It's, it's just, we, we somehow placate it. I don't know what it is. We, 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 have you guys ever had thoughts run through your mind that have just lasted all day long? Yep. It's like this repetitive thought that just keeps going on and going on and going on. It's like we just let it live there. You know, it is the wolf in the hen house of your mind. Kick the thing out. Deal with it. Release the weapons that have been given to you. And you know, Paul doesn't describe what the weapons are. You notice that in Scripture? He doesn't tell you what they are. I don't know if he's assuming that we should already know them. 
Or maybe we should search out the scripture and discover what those weapons are. Well, I'm going to talk about those next week. Because when we unleash all of those weapons, they are so powerful to destroy these strongholds in our mind. Because I'm a new creature in Christ. And you are a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. So, it is time to not pacify. Well, I just my weakness, you know. I'm just, just, it's just my struggle. No, don't let it be your struggle anymore. It's time to kick it to the curb. Faulty ways of thinking that defy the authority of who God is. For instance, a stronghold can be worry, anxiety, and fear. It can be a, a people pleaser. A people pleaser. Fear of man, lusting for people, money, fame. Lust can be a stronghold. Resentment. Insecurity. These are all personal matters that can be strongholds in your life. And the Bible says you are to tear them down. The second area where someone can have a stronghold is in one's worldview. Let me explain. It says, break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. Arrogant attitude. So where is this worldview? Well, you'll see it in atheism. There is no God. Socialism, materialism, hedonism. There's a whole lot of isms out there that we could talk about. There's secularism, there's relativism. All of these are strongholds that defy that there is no God. And they set themselves up against the true knowledge of the living God. So these are two areas that are, are, are kind of the focal point within strongholds. The fantasies, fears, anxieties, insecurities, and worldviews. We don't need God. Materialism says, well, I, I, I might acknowledge God, but I like the world better than God. So how does the stronghold begin? I bet y'all want to know that, right? How does the stronghold begin? It begins with the father of all lies. It begins with deception, smoke and mirrors, and a means of infiltrating your mind and not realizing. You know, a lot of times the devil is so close to the truth that he deceives you. But it says he's the father of all, all lies, and in him there is no truth. In John 8, 44. He'll lie to you and me. And I I'm not quite sure how he does it, but it doesn't matter because I'm just going to destroy it. it. It, he absorbs your mind. He comes into your mind with these lies. He tells us things about ourselves, about other people, about circumstances 
that are just not true. And when the lie comes in, which has been also reinforced by circumstances, all of a sudden, the circumstances and situations and how people are behaving around us is validating this lie. And all of a sudden, we begin to believe it. And it begins to take up camp inside your head. It's not quite yet a stronghold, but it's there. And over time, he begins to bombard your mind with cleverly devised patterns of little nagging thoughts, little situations here, a little bit of deception there. And he begins to build a case around that lie. And more lies come in. And then all of a sudden, the spirits of darkness are building a, a castle of rebellious attitudes against our God within your own mind. You know, he moves really slowly, too. He's very patient. He studies us. He knows us. He's waiting. He's calculating. He's clever. But he, he knows our insecurities. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our fears. He knows what bothers us. He knows what gets your goad. He knows how to get under your skin. He knows what to do to reinforce that lie and build a fortress that becomes a stronghold in your mind. And he'll invest as much time as it takes. He will. Because his strategy, remember, whoever has your mind has you. He knows if he can have your mind, he knows he can direct your will, your feet, your emotions, your life, and eventually affect your destiny to where you're not able to fulfill it. So he's after us. So what do you do with the lie? What do you do when he's piled on all these lies? You know, the lies began where? Where did all the, the lies begin? All these lies began in the garden. And it started out like this. Did God really say, did he really say that you couldn't eat of the fruit of good and evil? Did, did he really say that? He, he just sewed in a little question. And he's like, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, they were like, well, you know, he, God's holding out on us. You know, he doesn't want us to have this because it's good. And he just starts kind of in a deceptive way building a case against the authority of God. Did God really say that? And he worked through that simple little lie, a little bit of deception, and all of humanity from Adam and Eve have been plagued. So when we discover a stronghold in our life, what are we to do? What are you to do when you discover, yeah, there is, I, I know that one. I know that one real well. It's planted right there. It says that we're to capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. I love that. He's, he's, Paul is using the concept of taking prisoners, taking prisoners of war. No, no, 
He's saying, there's not going to be any, any prisoners. We're going to take them all. And, but in this case, he's, he's talking about those faulty patterns of thought that raise up their will against the one and true God. It says that a stronghold is to bow to the obedience of Jesus. Basically, it's this. You're taking that thought court-martialed. You're taking it court-martialed, and you're bringing it before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you're declaring that you're a liar. You're bringing out the truth that he has schemed you and has deceived you, and you're bringing it before the judge of all judges, and you're saying, take that scheme and throw it in where it belongs. Get out of here. You are to court-martial. You are to render it powerless. You know, I, um, I, I have come face-to-face -face with the reality this weekend of the importance of, of tearing down strongholds. You know, strongholds can be in your mind that have been there for years. I, I went to a conference this weekend, and I saw somebody that I hadn't seen in probably 25 years. And they actually led a workshop and did a teaching. And, and afterwards, um, my daughter and I wanted to go on up and, and uh, shake this person's hand, and I just wanted to introduce myself again. He didn't know me really well. But what came out of my mouth was a real surprise. Emotion welled up within me that I had not felt in a long time. And I said something to him as I shook his hand. And I went, I didn't just say that. I cannot believe I just said that. And, and then emotions coming up within me, and I'm like, I, I'm really angry. And, and I'm, I, I really saw there was resentment in my heart that had been a stronghold of what this person did to another friend of mine who he did not treat very fairly at the time. And I thought I dealt with it, but that was not true. And I walked away from that encounter, and I looked at my daughter, and she looked at me, and she's like, what did you just do? I said, I can't believe I just said that. She says, I know, I couldn't believe it either. And I said, honey, I guess you see that, you know, uh, daddy is human. But I said, you know, that was something that happened a long time ago when you were just a little tyke. And it's something that I need to make right. And I'm going to make it right with that person. But I had to go home after that encounter. And I had to deal with a stronghold in my mind. A stronghold of resentment. 
bitterness. And my drive home, which took four hours, it took me four hours to get it out of me. To tell that wolf in my mind, you gotta go. You have no place in my mind. And I unleashed with the blood, I unleashed all of heaven, I unleashed the word of God, I unleashed praise, I unleashed, I, I, I released, I, it was, I mean, it didn't stand a chance, but I had to fight and battle it. And blow by blow to that rebellious castle, it came down. And my emotions were free. I didn't realize I was so upset. I, it just took me by surprise. You know, have you ever been just so surprised with what's in you? It's like it just comes out. It's like, I did not just say that. I was, that's not me. Well, it wasn't me. But I am so grateful to Jesus that to whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And tomorrow, and tomorrow next Sunday, I want to talk about how you utilize all of the weapons of heaven to combat and deal with these strongholds in your mind. And I believe it's going to be, there's going to be great victory in the house because you're going to have tools to, to, to work with. You're going to have effective, divinely energized weapons that will help you every time you're dealing with the stronghold. Does that sound good? All right. I want us to all stand. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you that you have defeated the evil one. You went down into the grave and defeated death and the grave itself. And you snatched the keys of hell. And you made a public display of him in front of all of his demons. And you arose victoriously. You rose up and were seated at the right hand of the Father. And Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you that you have already won the battle for us. You've already won the victory. But Lord, we want to stand as your soldiers fighting the good fight every day encountering and dealing with the evil one. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would equip us to be ready for war, to take court-martial any thought that would defy your very authority. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we're asking that you would anoint us by your Spirit to deal with this ancient foe once and for all, that we might be free. Lord, I declare freedom over this house. I declare every mind in this house is going to be free in Jesus, no longer tormented by things that have even lasted for years. So, Lord, we thank you 
that you've given us the keys to the kingdom. And Lord, we're going to unlock the freedom that we have in Jesus. So Lord, we thank you. We praise you and we worship you. And it's all because of you, Jesus, that we win. We win every time. And we thank you that one day when we stand before you, you will say, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. So Lord, we thank you and praise you this day. And we bless your name, the name above all names, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.